unable to stop drinking. A loving family, well-educated, good earning capacity, and I'd married a kind, gentle, loving man who provided a beautiful home for me and our three sons. No financial worries or health concerns, other than those caused by my alcoholism. A wide circle of friends, and no external circumstances which could justify my drinking and my complete inability to leave it alone, no matter how great my desire to do so. I'd taken my first drink aged 15, and over in the ensuing 20 years, alcoholism had gradually crept up on me. What had seemed for many years to be my friend had become my vicious master. I was drinking to satisfy a knee far beyond my control. I'd even attended uh, meetings of an organization seeking to offer a program for recovery. At these meetings, I heard various people mention God or a higher power, which had helped them. I was an ardent, angry atheist and immediately dismissed these people as foolish and deluded. I'd been convent educated and rebelled utterly against any conception of God, Christian or otherwise. I'd basically taken the reins of my life as a very young teenager and run things my own way with a complete disregard for any spiritual dimension. But on admission to hospital, a hospital which specialized in the treatment of alcoholics and addicts, I was given my own room and a very kind person I'd met at the group meetings I attended had heard I was there and she drove out to see me. She suggested I try and talk to God and when she left me, I just felt sorry for her. However, I, I did start to think about what she'd said as I walked in the grounds. I returned to my room and sat on my bed. Deciding I needed a distraction, I opened the bedside drawer, hoping to see a copy of Vogue, Cosmopolitan, OK, or Hello magazine. Instead, there was a Gideon Bible. I picked it up and began to flick through the pages. And I stopped randomly in Luke's gospel at Luke 7.37, which begins, And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Immediately I read those words. I knew what was wrong with me. I fell on my knees beside my bed and whilst reading through the rest of this chapter, I wept bitter tears in the knowledge that Jesus was real. God existed. And I'd been blessed with the gift of life but I'd spent 35 years living in sinful rebellion and denial of the very existence of my creator and father. How could I have been so blind? An enormous sense of peace swept over me, and I felt the presence of my loving father in my mind, heart, soul, and body. My only fear was that if I slept, the peace I'd experienced would be gone by morning. On awakening, it was still there and has never left me. I knew there and then that my drink problem had been removed and by God's grace and miracle healing power, I have been sober for over 22 years. This miracle working God is the one whose birth as a tiny baby we've come to celebrate. And people's stories may not be as dramatic as that, but all of us need to come into touch with God himself.
And we're looking at John chapter 1, the first of our readings, and it starts in an amazing way. In the beginning was the word. Now, read any book in the world and you won't find an opening like that. It's so strange compared with other normal books. Compare the starts of the other Gospels. Matthew, a genealogy. Mark plunges right into action. Luke, rather more thoughtful. He talks about many people having written accounts and uh, eyewitnesses, the importance of checking up on evidence and all that sort of thing. But John writes, in the beginning was the word. Or rather, in the beginning was the word, because um, in Greek they tend to put the emphatic words at the start of a sentence, unlike us, because we put the emphatic words at the end, like that. So perhaps we should reread this verse. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In other words, Jesus was pre-existent. He was involved in creation, as it says in the next verse. He was a member of the Trinity. Now, if I said to you, Matt, I am with you, and I am you, you would laugh in my face. I mean, there's something wrong. But when John writes, he was with God, and he was God, he's making an amazing statement. And maybe you've heard that reading lots of times, hundreds maybe, and yet it's difficult to fathom exactly the full meaning of that verse. We can't understand fully the nature of God, and yet Jesus reveals as much as we need to know. In verse 4, we're told he's a source of light and life. And in verse 5, the contrast of the dark world, which has not understood or overcome. The word can mean either in the Greek, and uh, it's quite difficult to know which is meant here. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not apprehended. That might be a good word. It gets nicely the difference between grasping with the mind and overpowering or grasping physically. And the darkness has not apprehended the light. Then it talks a bit about the role of John the Baptist. And then in verse 9, the true light not John the Baptist, he didn't claim to be the light, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. And that's an interesting verse, isn't it? Everyone receives at least some light according to this verse. Everyone sees something of the glory and the light shining from that tiny baby in Bethlehem. So everyone has a chance to respond to the light that they've received. But then come some very sad verses, verses 10 and 11. Uh, He came into the world, he the creator, and people didn't welcome him, didn't recognize him. Even his own people, his own family, his own friends turned away from him and rejected him. The creator is so humble, he graciously allows himself to be rejected and unrecognized. But, verse 12, and verse 12 is a verse that one can use for leading people to faith. Maybe you'll have the chance to do that at some stage, because it says, uh, all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And it talks about 
believing in his name and receiving him. It's a bit like two sides of the same coin or two explanations of the same process. We need to receive Jesus. We need to believe in his name. Now, uh, you've probably had a million people knocking at the door this week, delivery men, probably from Amazon. Other delivery services are available. And um, uh, they usually retreat to the far end of the drive when they've knocked at the door, don't they? Jesus is not like that. He's not afraid of COVID or anything like that. And he graciously knocks at the door and waits for us to welcome him in. And many people do just that. They say, come in. Some, alas, say no, or don't really realize that Jesus is knocking at the door. But if we welcome him in, then we become children of God. He wants to come into, his li- uh, wants to come into our lives, but he won't barge in uninvited. So Jesus became human for a short period. Literally, he put a tent up among uh, human beings. The, word, the Greek word means that, uh, which is rather interesting, isn't it? It was only a brief 30-odd years that he was among us, and now he's with us by his Holy Spirit. So he can be all over the world, not just in one place, in Bethlehem or in Nazareth or in Jerusalem or wherever. And because that baby came into the world, we can understand what God is like. This is what verse 18 is all about at the end of our reading, uh, where it says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So if we want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. So basically, there are two questions that we're left with at the end of this reading. First, what happens if we don't invite Jesus into our lives. We may not go off the rails as spectacularly as that lady Yvonne about whom I read at the beginning of this talk, but what are we missing? Christmas loses its meaning. It's just food, drink, presents, and decorations. Someone has said, if you take the Christ out of Christmas, you're just left with M&S. And uh, There's something in that, isn't there? And there's nothing wrong with food and drink, celebration. There's nothing wrong with presents, commemorating the greatest present of all, God's gift to the world. There's nothing wrong with decorations. And uh, people really do seem, year by year, to be going more and more to town on these light displays. Aren't they wonderful? There's a glorious star in Brookwood Way, if you're ever driving around that way. Go and look at it on the left as you drive along. Lights point to the true light. But if we ignore the true light, then we miss the real meaning, the basis of all these other uh, things that go on at Christmas time. And the other thing we miss is we have no 100% reliable support in a crisis. I came across this rather striking uh, short quote in a book I was reading the other day. Life happens. It is difficult, painful, joyous, terrible, exciting, troublesome, frustrating, amazing, shocking, tragic, any number of adjectives, and people die. We all need an anchor. Where is yours? I found that quite striking. So many people 
are carrying secret burdens and sorrows, known to themselves and known to God. Where do we find comfort? Second question, what happens if we do invite Jesus into our lives? He brings some amazing gifts. And there are just six words I would like to offer you. Light, which stands for joy, warmth, honesty, seeing things clearly. Life, real life, abundant life. A new family, sorry, that's not one word, is it? But if we become children of God. We have a new family. We have lots and lots of brothers and sisters. And for some people, looking at the Christian faith, their problem is loneliness. And if they knew how wonderful the family of God is. Truth. Knowing Jesus brings the foundation stone of knowledge. Grace. Forgiveness for the past. Strength for the future. Grace is a sort of multi-use word, a wonderful thing that God gives us, his grace. And finally, glory. The glory of the angels singing on that first Christmas morning, announcing the birth of the Savior, is just part of that heavenly glory, which one day all children of God will share.